Uh, hello, St. Clair Community Church. Um, we haven't done this in a while, but on occasion this year, we've given space uh, on our podcast to have an extended conversation of what maybe gets hinted at on a Sunday morning, uh, what we've sort of now called post-Sunday conversations. Uh, and we want to have the opportunity to talk more about communion and its place within our community. Uh, we are here on a Monday morning in our prayer room at 1401 King Street East. Uh, this is a place that we've met all year uh, with Matt and I and Rob and Will um, as we sort of kind of make up the staff team of St. Clair. Uh, and often a conversation for us throughout this year has been the place of communion, Eucharist, the Lord's Supper within our Sunday gathering. And it's uh, something we've had a lot of in-house discussion with. And so we thought it'd be best to just hit record and let you in on how we've been talking about it through this year, kind of what our own uh, experience is uh, with communion and uh, hopefully this is of help to you uh, as we've been learning it along the way. Um, so we're going to just talk through communion kind of 101, some of the basics of it, um, both in theology and in practice. Um, and uh, yeah, we hope it is a help to you as it has been to us. Um, so around the table with me is Matt, Rob, and Will. Okay, there you go. I'm not alone. We didn't even have a jingle, Dave. We still need a jingle. <laughs> you know, we're working on the jingle. Uh, Rob, why don't you lead us with some reflection on the theology around communion and its place? Sure. Um, I think that's a, I mean, I was thinking that's probably a massive topic. Um, and I can think of many people that would be far more equipped to do that. But um one of the things I think that the church has realized about the Eucharist, um, which uh, comes from the Greek word uh, to give thanks. So literally what we're doing uh, in this meal is giving thanks. Um, it's a meal of thanksgiving. Um, and it's a meal in which the church realizes who it is. Um, it's kind of the climax of the whole service, not... We don't, we don't realize who we are in sitting through a good service or, uh, or a good sermon, or we don't realize uh, who we are necessarily uh, in singing, uh, but in receiving uh, the very body and blood of Christ uh, who gives it to us. Um, it's a symbol, a Greek word from uh, the verb sumbalo, uh, which means to unite or bring together, which in a way the symbol brings together the reality of the kingdom of God that has been, um, that will be and is being fulfilled, but will come to a consummation in the end uh, times in a banquet, in a meal with the slain lamb. Um, and the the Eucharist is, is this symbol of which kind of bursts that, that reality uh, into the church in our day and our time right now uh, where we participate in that reality um, and then we carry that reality out the doors with us in our very guts, in our very belly, you know, in embodied. Um, so um, that's kind of what Cole's notes as I think of what's happening when we participate in the Eucharist. 
And where do we, we first find, uh, you, when we say Eucharist, communion, Lord's Supper, we're, t- we're talking about the same thing. Uh, those words just express different traditions of the faith that are using to describe the same thing. Um, but when you look in the Gospels, uh, you see this moment of Jesus with his disciples, and he's taking bread, and he's taking wine, the things that are just in front of them uh, as everyday things of their life as food and as drink. Um, and he's using them to, as Rob said, symbolize something. Uh, these things that have become the symbol of this new covenant that we have, um, that communion and baptism are these like key symbols of the new covenant of this new relationship that God has brought us into, um, it's in the Gospels where we see it just very practically laid out. You know, we, we just do the thing that Jesus did with his disciples, uh, that we participate in this meal just as Jesus shared it with his disciples. His instruction to them was, do this in remembrance of me. Don't, don't forget what I'm doing for you here. And, and we, we think it was by design that Jesus gave to the disciples something that uh, is really is transferable, you know, for us that we can practice the same thing that Jesus shared with his disciples. Um, it's a sc- scripture talks about the body of Christ, uh, but that that term I think could mean three different things that are all sort of pointing to the same thing. One is the body of Christ is literally the the body of Jesus. Jesus came uh, fully God, fully man, uh, walked this earth, and and resurrected uh, in an actual physical body. And, you know, our hope, our belief is that Jesus is still fully God, fully man in resurrected form. And and there's a physical nature to that. And so the physical, the body of Christ still exists, is alive, uh, is is seated with God in heaven. And that's a beautiful mystery that we sort of humbly believe. Like, it's just as wild. I mean, the whole thing is wild, but like, that's just one wild aspect the other sense of the body of Christ is in what we call communion, Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. It is practicing this remembering of what Jesus gave and giving his life away. And that he said the bread represents his body and the juice or the wine represents his blood. It's his life given away that we would have life. And so when we say the body of Christ, uh, when we talk about communion, we're referring to those symbols of bread and in, in our case, juice. And then there also is the body of Christ as in us, the community, the people who make up the body of Christ, that Jesus is the head and that we, the community, are the body that we're married, we're, we're matched in partnership with God in this covenant, new covenant relationship. So uh, the body of Christ uh, means a bunch of different things. Uh, and our particularly our the particularities for our conversation when we say the body of Christ, we're talking about communion, you know, in this conversation. Mm. Yeah, even the, I mean, even the imagery in the Gospels, I think of before Jesus' death and after. So you have the feeding of the five thousand, where Jesus takes the bread, lifts it up to heaven, blesses it and breaks it, and hands it out as this it's almost this sense of something that's a precursor, road to Emmaus. Jesus arrives at people's home. They have their eyes opened when he breaks bread in front of them. So I've always found that as important. That for, 
for Jesus gathering and offering something tactile to mm -hmm. people to mm -hmm. remember that faith is embodied, this incarnated sense. Even the one of my favorite quotes on the Eucharist I've used a few times is the N.T. Wright one, that Jesus didn't give us the theory of, an, of the atonement. He gave us a meal. So I think for me, yeah. And, and then all the way that a meal um, is a thread throughout scripture. I mean, that's a whole other conversation on what we think about hospitality at St. Clair, but it's embedded within a meal. I mean, we have these elements, but for Jesus, it was sat at a table where he offers this sense of the divine in the human as he looks at other humans and sees this together, this participatory for all of us together. So, mm -hmm. and, and going based off of that, I think, even further along past the Gospels, we see the Eucharist taking place um, in the beginning of Acts of the early church has been birthed and, you know, Jesus has ascended and the Holy Spirit has been uh, equipped into the saints and the earliest apostles. Uh, scripture says that they gathered together in their homes and they devoted themselves to breaking of bread and, and drinking of wine. And, and in that same way, uh, we are a later function of that early church and we're a branch from that church and so we would say that that is one of the big scriptural references as far as why it's important to us and we also see the apostle paul instructing the church in corinth um, in ways in which the eucharist and communion is vitally important to their understanding and to their corporate gathering um, and so those would be some more um, scriptural evidence to go with the gospels as to why why we believe that the communion and the Eucharist is, is vastly important to what we do um, and to our expression and understanding what Christ has done for us, um, both individually and as, as a group corporately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's good. Matt, why, why don't you kind of walk us through uh, how communion, the practice of communion has evolved within life of St. Clair, you know, where, where that's come from and where we find ourselves now. Yeah, so early on at St. Clair, when we were praying together, we always had this imagery of the table. Uh, I joked last night at our family meeting that Joe Moran wanted to call St. Clair the table, which I still, we were like disappointed, although we love St. Clair, the name, because we had this imagery of this space at the table. So it was people gathered around the table, but it also did represent the table as in the table of the Lord's Supper. So early on at St. Clair, there were hints of this, even to the point where, from our very first prayer meeting, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, from our very first prayer meeting to now, we've always broken bread together. So when we prayed, we didn't, uh, it wasn't a prayer meeting, and then we broke bread the very first Sunday we gathered, um, five years ago this year. But it was actually from our early prayer meetings when we gathered together, we always broke bread. And so that was a really important part of who we are. And I love what Will just touched on because actually this seems to be central to the church. And I know for us, as we talked about the place of Eucharist, one, it was around the table, but actually we felt for some of us, we grew up, so I grew up in the Anglican tradition, so the Eucharist was central. And then at different points in my life, I moved to other traditions. And I think often in the uh, modern evangelical church, um, this isn't to bash them, but I think there was a few things that were maybe thrown out in some ways. Uh, and 
weren't really recovered. So it's almost like the Eucharist got pushed to one side. Because I do think what we do on a Sunday just says a lot about what we value most as a community in how we do that. So whatever practice it is and whatever people, whatever churches do on a Sunday, that just says something. So for us, we felt it wasn't just, and I love what Rob said, and for us, it's not an afterthought. Like it's not, well, the sermons are not, I guess we need to get to it. I love what Rob said. It's almost the crescendo. Everything builds to the table. And so I have a friend who jokes because Jesus says, do this every time you gather in remembrance of me. And some churches do it four times a year. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> he jokes about that. He's very passionate about that. But, but there is this sense of, yeah, it's as we gather. And I have another friend, uh, Rich Saunders, who said to me once when I was disappointed or bemoaning a sermon I preached, he just said to me, Matt, we're breaking bread, everything's going to be fine, <laughs> which is back to Rob's thing of identity. So uh, I think that's really important to remember that that is so central to who we are. And so for St. Clair, it's always been a part of our community and I will always remain so because it's rooted in the text. But another important part is it is rooted in church history and tradition out of that. And so we'd always look to those things. Yeah. I, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah sorry, yeah. Dave. This is obviously well planned. This was slick. <laughs> I do want to say uh, another part is as revolving and we've owned Eucharist has become part of our story. Probably some people will notice recently that we have a new table. Ooh, mm. that looks beautiful. Um, and we wanted that. We felt like, yeah, there's an element of us that we want to evolve. And as the Eucharist takes more of a role. Uh, in our community and so i just want to give huge props to johnny applin uh, johnny apps as he's known because uh, he's put the table together for us we've asked him and we commissioned the table and so that's also a part of us moving forward is as we're owning this tradition that's been passed down that it's part of st Clair as well and so that's where the table come from we just want to acknowledge that because johnny himself crafted that with his own hands and put a lot of work in so it'll be for us Mm-hmm. And I think uh, going based off of that, just mentioning Johnny and um, even looking at the way that we express the communion on a Sunday, specifically having Mishfam leaders and people involved in our community serving the communion and uh, various different people have begun to um, break the bread in front I know we've had Dina and we've had Miranda and various different other people who wouldn't necessarily be um, typical clergy members, but are vastly important to the community. Um, I think what that shows is we value everyone in the community and everyone has a place at the table. And not only that, but the beauty of it is that we all get to serve each other. Um, And um, I think that is a really powerful act in our day to be able to serve one another, to be able to share that meal with people that you normally wouldn't outside of maybe a church setting. Um, it connects us and unifies us, um, and it allows the work to be distributed evenly. So it's not this top-down where you know the pastor typically does all the work, and then people just come to receive. But it's actually we all get to work and be a part of of the communion. We all have a, a role and a function within within the church and within um, the larger body of Christ, as Dave was mentioning earlier. Mm-hmm. And that, 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 yeah, it's probably one way that we're trying to live into the, the biblical sense of a priesthood of all believers. Um, and that's, that's a really important value for us, uh, you know, in thinking about the table um, and how it's now become this visual centerpiece uh, to our gathering. Uh, it's sort of a funny irony in that um, 
the aesthetic quality of the Germanian club doesn't always in and of itself lead us to a place of awe and wonder and worship. What are you saying, Dave? <laughs> what just, you know. That margarita glass that lights up. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it is something where uh, um, we realize, oh, our faith is lived out in practical terms. And there's, there is a, tangible quality to our faith and it does help to have certain tactile things that remind us of who God is with us in our actual everyday life and so to have commissioned someone to handcraft a table that has an aesthetic quality um, actually felt like an important piece that that wasn't sort of overlooked or you know uh, we wanted something that uh, helped uh center our um our attention really well during that time um we we are realizing more and more that we're a community of people that could maybe be best described as contemplative charismatics <laughs> that we we represent a broad spectrum uh and that many of us have actually come from different church traditions that would have a different practice of communion um we, we were talking earlier that, and Matt made mention of it, uh, that uh, for me personally and for some of us uh, growing up in a bigger evangelical church, there was, I think for a time, a healthy sort of pushback on uh, things that uh, a generation ago people would have uh, maybe done week in and week out, uh, and it started begin to have a religious hollow tone to it. And so stripping back communion to not be every week, but maybe be once a month or occasionally, you know, maybe is like, as you come to it, there's a bit more weight and significance of, oh yeah, this thing, this really matters. And you can kind of get yourself a bit more prime for it. Um, we just felt at St. Clair that, oh, what we do on a Sunday uh, is by design, the things that we hope that form and shape us in the week in and the week out. We do things on repetition because that repetition, we think, is a way of formation. And so we are very particular about our Sunday expression being uh, the things that we practice publicly, we hope uh, have reality in our life privately. So it felt important enough that we would have the constant reminder of the Lord's Supper as being the thing that holds us together as a community. And um, I mean, as it's already being said, it's uh, something that is the uh, constant reminder that Jesus has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. Um, we place it in our service you know, as sort of the, yeah, the crescendo or the, uh, the culmination of a few things. Um, it... Uh, we hope that our preaching or teaching on a Sunday uh, is not a here's how to be a better Christian or here's how you need to sort of uh, flex the muscle of your moral life and just get out there and do better, be better. Um, uh, and the, the communion is this constant reminder of, oh yeah, we, we humbly confess that we've left things uh, we've done things that we shouldn't do and we haven't done things that we should do. Um, and that's uh, on purpose that we keep coming back to that. Uh, to name sin uh, is maybe in some Christian circles a bit taboo or it's a bit... Uh, uh, that has maybe become a scary word. And so to have this confession 
week in and week out corporately where we're just laying sort of ourselves before one another and before God in a vulnerable way to say, oh, like I carry guilt, you know, with, with sin. Like I'm just not as I should be. Uh, and the community table keeps recentering us as to who God is and who he's made us to be. Um, we want to unpack a bit our, the corporate expressions that we have of our confession and insurance. Sure. And uh, even even before we get to that, I was thinking, for those of you maybe that have been involved or a part of St. Clair for a while may have noticed that um, in the last few months, uh, particularly when Rob and I have joined on um, to St. Clair as interns, uh, we switched to the um, breaking of the bread and pouring out of the wine um, kind of in front of everyone on a Sunday morning. Um, and I think what that does, um, especially for someone, um, Dave kind of mentioned this earlier, but I also was raised in a more evangelical tradition. And so we didn't have that visual representation. And so for, um, for me personally, what it does is it allows me the space and the opportunity to just reflect, um, and, and really just a moment to visualize and symbolize what Christ would have done in front of his disciples. Um, and it really fixes my mind on what Christ has done. And it also fixes my, my eyes on, on Christ's return and ultimately being with him once again. Um, and so I think it's a beautiful symbolism and picture that kind of draws our focus in um, instead of it maybe having it pre-cut and kind of pre-poured out and just, you know, missing that visual aspect that allows us that moment to connect with God um, on a deeper level, I think is, is very significant, um, from that part, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we've often had someone bake the bread for us on a Sunday that that's, uh, there's even just an intentional act with that. I mean, if you look at the old Testament, the, the detail that God gave his people on how to build the temple and how to have an order of worship that was just every possible thing you could think of was this reorientating, this pointing to God with us that is this reminder of, and you just see it in how the temple is built for the Old Testament. And so we, we have kind of these loose things within what we do of the practice of communion that is you know, by design, uh, and it's visible and it's visceral ways of reminding us of God with us. It's this, this reorientation. Um, Matt, you want to explain the, the confession and where that comes from for us? Yeah, so the confession that we say is rooted in the Anglican Book of Prayer. And I think when I grew up in the Anglican tradition, I didn't, I think what I got what got lost on me was actually how the liturgy is ordered and it's very intentional in terms of this progression even the way that an Anglican church often the baptismal font is at the front when you walk through the door so it's a reminder of your identity that you're now baptized into this family as you step in so so it's very ordered things just no one really told me that and then uh now learning more about it um there's been some books that have been helpful for me to figure that out and so I think this idea of confession that we acknowledge yeah we are broken there's sin that um, has I mean I think in when we read Genesis the idea that we've actually been dehumanized that's what sin does to us like God came to make us fully human that's what Jesus does in our life as we were created to be in the garden and so sin dehumanizes us so we come before God and say this self-salvation project isn't working 
and I actually need you to come and transform me to be who you created me to be. So we just need to confess that. And I think that's really important because I just think culturally we we don't talk about that. It's almost like, yeah, you just try harder to be better. And I think we just need to confess, no, there's areas of brokenness in our life. And actually we confess we've sinned against others too. You know, this sense of coming to the table, have you been in right relationship? So that's why we confess that on a Sunday. That's part of the reminder from Corinthians is, yeah, I've sinned against you in thought and word and deed. And so I just need you uh, to forgive me. And then we read the assurance of pardon out of the Psalms because once we confess... Over and over and over, the scripture reminds us that forgiveness is available. I think it's not, this isn't, we confess in the vain hope God might be having a good day. Mm. Or, you know, this is actually when we do that, we are convinced from the scripture because it's so consistent in the story of God's people that then we're assured of our forgiveness. So then we break bread freely knowing, oh, I am I've moved essentially, again, story of God from slavery into freedom. Mm. And that's what it does. So that's why it's so powerful. Again, it's, and that's what we would love in this podcast, people to understand that we don't always get to on a Sunday. We don't just do this because it's religious. We do this because we actually think it's a transformative act of the spirit each week. Mm-hmm. And in how the expression plays out for us, uh, it may, well, we know it's, it's, different than traditions that some people have come from um we don't offer alcohol you know as we we give juice and we're just being sensitive as the fact that uh, some people in our community have struggled with alcohol and so if that was offered to them even just in a small dose each week um that may be difficult unnecessarily and so we've just have made juice the norm for us uh we also know that uh in some traditions uh, there would be a very clear um, sort of line on who can participate in communion and who can't. And sometimes that's dependent on church membership or other things. We don't actually have church membership uh, at St. Clair. There's a bunch of things that we assume in terms of uh, what it is to call St. Clair home. But we, we don't have anyone that sort of signed on the dotted line that then would qualify them or disqualify them from participating in communion. Uh, There's a a freedom in this expression that we're allowing each person, in a sense, to decide or know for themselves, is this right for me to participate in? I mean, the baseline is to say, oh, I I hunger and I thirst for God in my life. Uh, And and we remember that in, in what Jesus has done for us. Um, we don't say it often. Uh, some traditions will say it always of the reading in First Corinthians about, you know, if you have something against your brother or sister, go take care of that first before you participate in communion. Um, uh, in some cases, we assume people know that and should be attentive to that uh, in their own life. Um, we don't, we're not dismissive of that. That's actually, we, we would uh, be hopeful that everyone is paying attention to the work of God's spirit in their life. And that if there is unforgiveness, especially if it exists with someone who is in the room on a Sunday morning, that there is reconciliation that is sought out. Um, we want to be a people who live in to what it is to love God and love one another. And we, um, we hold very dear Jesus' teachings about how important it is to forgive one another. So though we don't say that uh, on a week in and week out basis, maybe this is uh, our, our chance to to clarify or emphasize 
uh, that that's still a lens through which we see participating in communion. Will, do you want to speak to a bit of kind of the act of communion and you know, just where we find that in our culture, sort of the lens it gives us for being able to see the world? Sure. I think, um, you know, as it's been mentioned already, uh, communion as a community is very subversive because we don't typically tend to eat with people who are not in the same walk of life as us. And so uh, the beauty of the church and the beauty of the body of the Christ is that everyone has their role and function. And then within that, we get to express corporately what Christ has done for us. And then as we express that together, we get to go out into the world and be the light um, because we have experienced thanksgiving and grace for what Christ has done for us then we get to go and see the world through that lens of understanding that we have been forgiven, we have been blessed, and so now we are able to go and do the same to others, to equip them, to bless them. Um, And so it really is this um, beautiful sense of of being blessed and fulfilled and um, strengthened so that we can go out into the world and do the same um, as we've experienced that. I love that in a world that prides itself on maybe achievement and progression and this idea of bigger and better that we live in that it's almost like symbol when we look around at symbolism and icons of companies in our world and how they're growing the church all we have to offer is some bread and wine there's something so powerful to me i often think of the in the 5,000, there's that scene where I think it's Mark, or you theologians out there are going to say, no, it's not Mark, it's the, one of the other gospel accounts. But it says, there's a funny line where it says, Jesus broke them down into groups of 50s and 100s. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. And you can think, wow, Jesus was really organized. Like, what a planner, you know, in one sense. But actually, some commentaries would say that was because of the military battalions within Rome were broken down into certain sizes and then I think it's N.T. Wright who says and I wonder if that's because Jesus is forming his own army but he's saying this army looks completely different and I love that That to me is the subversive nature of yeah Jesus is calling a people to himself but the weapons we have are a piece of bread and some wine and that's what we get to offer the world. That is just so subversive to me. I think that's why I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Good. Any final thoughts? Well, we could go on for a while for this, but we want to offer something that uh, would be a helpful um, extension of maybe the things that only get hinted at on a Sunday. Um, so we... Uh, we are committed to communion, uh, Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, as being an expression of who we are, as living out as the people of God. The form that it takes uh, has evolved for us along the way, and it may continue to evolve. The the the, the actual doing of it uh, is not what is sort of the highest, most important thing, but it is the uh, attention um, that we give to it that is what we're trying to um, center ourselves around. This is definitely not last, uh, last but not least, because in the midst of Johnny making the table, I just want to acknowledge uh, Miriam Saberka, 
who for years has baked bread for us on a Sunday. So you show up and often think this is amazing bread and that's because Miriam has baked it. So I just want to say that at the end, I think that's important to acknowledge because we actually, that was another part mm. of, again, similar to what Will was talking and Dave about uh, Johnny's, uh, the way he's crafted that. I think how Miriam bakes bread for us is important too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thanks for listening in. We've got no jingle to send us out of here. So... Enjoy the awkward silences. (laughs) We laugh our way out.